Are you tired of hearing people complain about the world and ready to own the responsibility to make the world a better place? Hey, my name is Brent Simpson and welcome to this episode of Creating the Future. I believe that within each of us is a yearning to make the world a better place. So let's work together and make that desire a reality. My hope is that today's conversation inspires you as you endeavor to create the future. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to Creating the Future. Couldn't be more excited to be back with you. As you probably are aware, I've been doing a doctorate degree and it takes an overwhelming amount of my time and energy. And so I'm not always able to create as many podcasts as I would like to be creating. Um, but I do want to take moments here or there uh, where we take a step back and, uh, uh, and work towards um, introducing you to some speakers and some people that I think you need to be aware of, which we will do today. Uh, before I do that, let me give you a life update. Uh, this doctorate has been going on for the last two years. And uh, right now I'm at the place where I'm finishing out the uh, work of research papers and uh, uh, annotated bibliographies and all those different things that I've been doing. Ton of work, ton of reading. Uh, and now I will be working on my dissertation. And so I'm, a, I'm literally just weeks away from starting my dissertation. That'll take a little over a year, about a year, depending on, but a, a, around a year to get that done. And then I, hopefully after that, I can get back to creating some great podcasts for you. Now, as I get ready to do this podcast, uh, let me tell you a quick uh, joke to set it up. So maybe you've heard this before, maybe you haven't. But Three men are arguing over what the oldest profession is. The first one is an engineer. The second one is a doctor. And the third one is an attorney. So the doctor says to the group, he says, listen, obviously, uh, obviously the uh, uh, medical science is the oldest profession in the world because God, when he created on the sixth day, he took a rib out of Eve and or out of Adam and made Eve. So obviously medical science, medical uh, uh, has got to be the oldest profession. The engineer said, no, 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 all the way back in the very beginning on day one, God created something out of chaos. There was all chaos and God created something. He put order to it. Therefore, engineering has to be the oldest profession. And the attorney steps up and says, well, where do you think the chaos came from? <laughs> Sorry to all the attorneys in the room, but I do get to interview a man who has been an attorney. He's been a JAG attorney. And, uh, and then recently now, over the last five years or so, he has been a judge. In fact, he's a Hillsborough County Circuit Judge, and his name is Jared Smith. And I am so excited to be able to introduce you to him. He is a friend of mine. He is a great man of God and a brother in the faith. Uh, let me introduce you to my friend, Judge Jared Smith. Uh, judge Smith, welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you so much. I'm glad to be here, Pastor Brent. Yeah, man. So I'm just curious. So we watch judges on television. You got the black robe. You're telling everybody what to do. You got all the power. You got the gavel. So how does a person become a judge? Right. I mean, there's got to be a very small percentage of the population that ends up becoming a judge or even knowing a judge. So uh, how does a person end up, you know, sitting behind that that honored desk? Well, I, I did not. Uh, I'll tell you, me personally, uh, really didn't even think about being a judge through law school maybe thought about it a little bit shortly after law school, did not for pretty much my entire career until, until I started the process, which I will explain. So um, uh, depending on what state you're in, here in Florida, we have two ways that you can become a judge. You can either be elected as a judge uh, or you can be appointed as a judge. Mm. And, and if you want to know about me, I've done both. So I was actually, and I've done, I've, the, I've been through the appointment process two times uh, as a county judge and then as a circuit judge 
Uh, I also uh, was challenged as a sitting judge, which I can explain how that works in 2018, and then and then was on the ballot and, and was voted back in, thankfully. Um, and uh, and so I've gone through the election process as well. If a seat, if a judicial seat comes open, uh, what you would consider essentially kind of at the beginning of the year, you know, about the same time the presidential, you know, everything, all those offices that roll over, you know, right. politically, right. judges have the same thing. You don't you don't really see it. It's it's not one of those clocks that rolls like a, a senator or a, or a president or governor. But we have clocks like that that roll as well. And there's six right. year clocks here in Florida. Uh, and when you are up for election, your election is going to be in typically in August in the, in the primary. Um, but the the uh, the effect of it's going to be in at the very beginning of January, essentially, I think, whatever the first first, uh, you know, Tuesday after January 1st. I, I don't I don't know the exact dates all in the Constitution uh, and in the Florida statutes. But but uh, if you're if you're getting out right at the end of your term, if you have a six year term and you say, I'm going to fulfill my complete term and I'm leaving on the last day, your seat then goes up for an election for what we call an open seat. And we have plenty of those. Uh, throughout the state of Florida, so who can run for judge? Anybody that's been a, that's been a practicing law for five years can right. put their name in. There's no if you're running for an open seat uh, or if you're running against a sitting judge. There's really no particular qualifications other than five years. You can have a background in whatever. Uh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what school you graduated from. Um, when you go through uh, when you when you try to get a, a seat that is not at the end of the year, so to speak. If you had a judge that said, you know what, I'm leaving a little bit early. I'm deciding to retire early. Or sadly, you know, we've had some judges that have passed away, uh, you know, for whatever reason. Uh, or, or if the judge, you know, like we've had some judges, we've had some amazing things happen here, here in Hillsborough County. Uh, you know, Attorney General, you know, one of our judges went for Attorney General, Ashley Moody. Uh, another judge was pulled out to be the Secretary of State. She's a plain you know, girl, I think, with me. Yeah. Yes, yes, Ashley Moody. And, uh, and, then, and then you have Laurel Lee um, and Tom Lee. I'm sure you, you're familiar with Tom Lee. And uh, uh, she, is, she was pulled uh, up to be a Secretary of State. And so whenever that happens, it typically creates a hole as well. And when those those midterm holes are created, those are what are filled by the governor. Mm -hmm. And the governor doesn't just get the pick names out of the air. They actually there's a there's a whole process that I learned all about uh, when I had that ink, uh, that niggling desire to become a judge. Um, it's called the uh, there's you start at the local level with the nominating commission mm -hmm. and a nominating commission is nine people uh, who very carefully vet applications. And I know I think the first time I applied, there were about 30 people that applied for the opening that I, I originally applied for. I don't think I got that one, but then the next one, you know, let's just say there were somewhere between 25 and 30 people. They narrow those down to a list of six after extensive interviews and applications. And they look at your writing samples. Uh, what I like best is, and I think that is the, the most comforting is they actually call the people who you've been up against. Mm. They call your opposing counsel. They call the judges that you've been in front of and they say, is this person respectful? Are they honest? Uh, do they do they do they follow the law? Do, did they try to cheat you? Did they hold back documents uh, that they should have given you and they didn't? Uh, did you feel that they tried to use the law to an unfair advantage? You know, things that, you know, you would think are kind of done in the dark. Now, all of a sudden, they're talking to that person that, that uh, you may or may not have treated properly. Then they're just going to spill 
and and that's the end of it for you uh you know if that happens so so you can you can be rest assuring that uh that the folks that make it through the nominating process they've been very carefully vetted and uh you know so that's that's a good thing uh so you go through you go through that then they create from the list of of 30 names app, applicants that goes up then to the governor narrowed down to a list of six Mm-hmm. And those six are uh, we go you go through another round of interviews with the governor's staff. And, uh, you know, Governor DeSantis, I will say, uh, did something even beyond that, which I don't know of any governor that's ever done this. He actually personally interviewed the mm. judicial candidates, wow. uh, trial judges. I'm talking county yeah. uh, circuit judges, not not just your Supreme Court appointments, but the, the, the lower trial court level judges. And, and I can tell you that the interview that I had with Governor DeSantis was it was intense. I mean, I. I uh, he sat down. He said, he said, I don't mean to be rude, but go and take a seat. Of course, I sat down right away. And he just he just opened up a notebook and he just started flipping through with all these questions. And they were very good questions. And he, yeah. he uh, uh, you know, he's really very no, no nonsense. Um, so uh, apparently I must have done OK in that interview because I did get the appointment. Right. Um, but uh, uh, so that's it. That's how you that's how you become a judge. And that's the process. Right. It is it's it's intense. And it's uh, it's it's either election or appointment or both, as in my right. case. Um, yeah. that's how you get your judges. So, so with you though, so you said you have the inkling you're, you're in law school, then later on you have an inkling to be a judge. Where were you in law school and start, start from there. How did you get from there or, or wherever there you want to start to where you are today? What's your story in this process? Well, I, I can tell you, I, I do have to admit that with, um, with my law school, I've got to factor my wife in there because I don't know that I would be an attorney today. I wouldn't be a judge today, but for my wife, I know we can all, yeah. Uh, say wonderful things about the influences that our, our spouses have been to us. And my spouse has been definitely that. She's been the true help meet uh, for me. Uh, I, I was, I went to law school with an attitude of kind of wearing, you know, the, the cowboy with the white hat and, you know, be just a, <laughs> just a good guy. Yeah. Uh, you know, I knew, knew I wanted to use my, my law degree for good. Uh, but after about a week of law school where I realized that every class was graded on a curve and, and uh, it just seemed just cutthroat competitive, really. Uh, sometimes not as bad as what you'd read in books, but, uh, but very cutthroat competitive, very different than you know, my accounting degree or my undergraduate work yeah. where it kind of felt like everybody was sort of working together just to learn. Uh, law school, it was, it was much, there was a much more competitive environment. Yeah. And, and I, thought, I thought, how does this jive with my Christian faith? You know, I'm a Christian. Yeah. You know, Jesus said to love your neighbors yourself. And every time I get an A, somebody else gets an F. Uh, you know, I mean, that, that, there's, that can't be anywhere in the Bible. And, and I was ready just to, just to punch out. Uh, but I thought, you know, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait until I get to, uh, I knew I'd seen kind of advertised around that the Christian Legal Society was on campus. And, mm-hmm. and uh, I thought, well, I'll just, I just, if I could just get to that Christian Legal Society meeting and maybe meet some people. And I remember going to that Christian Legal Society meeting and I was kind of ready to go. But I thought, well, might as well just ask the group. And I, so I asked the question. I said, I said, how do, how do we do this? You know, looking around at this small gathering of Christians, I said, how do we how do we jive our Christian faith? And with right. this competitive cutthroat environment that law school so clearly is. And uh, and I heard someone very wisely say, uh, you know, you don't need to worry about that. Hmm. If, if you were called to be here then your job is simply to do the best that you can do mm-hmm. and you leave the results to God. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I thought, man, that's right. It just gave me total peace that I just needed to do what I'd been called to do and what I knew I was supposed to be there. Uh, and I thought, you know, I'd like to meet that person. 
And that was my wife. So uh, within within about two months, I, I you know I, I told her I said we're we're getting we're going to get married. We're definitely going to get married. And, and uh, within a year, uh, we were married that that next summer, uh, right after our first year at law school. And yeah. and we're celebrating tomorrow. Will be our twenty fourth anniversary. That's um, amazing. We're about to celebrate twenty two this month. So we're, we're con- right there behind you. Congratulations, <laughs> congratulations. Is, is, so is that so a that that party as well. You know, there you go. What's it say again? Is Suzette an attorney as well? She she is. So she graduated. Uh, we you know that was a fun thing. Um, once we once we realized that uh, we you know we were we were meant for each other, um, we decided well we might as well be study partners too. Um, so we we started a little study group and and we studied together. Essentially, took almost all the same classes all the way through law school. Uh, and and the funny thing was, and I I think. I talked to the registrars, you know, GPAs are supposed to be confidential, but I do think I remember somebody making a comment to me at the registrar's office. That it was a very uh, un- unusual development that my wife and I both graduated. We did not get the same grades in every class, but after three years of law school, we had the exact same GPA. Oh, wow. Graduated tied for third <laughs> out of, out of 134 students. That's and awesome. and uh, so so uh, she, she, and she, I will hands down say she definitely is smarter than I am. She got top papers. We would be in the same class. She always get, I'd get the top, she'd get the top paper and I'd get number two or what, you know, number three <laughs> or whatever. Uh, and, and uh, she's very, very bright, but, but uh, uh, kind of part of the story. Um, she worked for two years after law school. Uh, then when I joined the military, she decided to stay home and be, be a, a full-time mom for a little bit, but then once we once we uh, got to the school age with the kids, she decided she wanted to homeschool. She has a teaching background, and and so we. But you joined the military out of out of law school. That doesn't seem normal to me. What was there a story behind that? Yeah, it's uh. So so you know when I was in law school, um, you know I kind of had a I had intentions to maybe be a, a sole practitioner. I thought that's where you know I could really touch a lot of people and do a lot of good with a lot of a lot of folks. Um, but that did not work out. So I ended up actually taking a clerkship for um, the Kansas Supreme Court. There was one opening on the Kansas Supreme Court. It was very just, you know, kind of a one in a, once in a lifetime opportunity. Um, and uh, Kansas, just like Florida's Supreme Court is the highest, depending on what, what you know, you go to New York and you go to the Supreme Court. It's not there's different different states have different names, but the Kansas Supreme Court is you know, seven justices, just like our Florida Supreme Court. And uh, there just so happened to be one opening. Uh, and and I was blessed to get that one spot. And I took that. Uh, so that was my first job out of law school. That was 2000. So it started in there, August 2000. Mm-hmm. And, and as I was praying about, okay, God, what do you want me to do? Um, I got this letter halfway through my two-year clerkship from the Air Force. And this was about August 2000. One, I get this letter from the Air Force and it says, hey, we want to tell you about the Air Force JAG, the Judge mm-hmm. General. It's the mm-hmm. attorneys in the Air Force. And I think I don't even know if the JAG show was out at that time, but something, you know, I, I, I was familiar with what the JAG Corps was. Uh, and and so I looked at that and I kind of read the letter and I thought, well, this is interesting. Put the letter on the shelf. And we all know what happened one month later, September 11, uh, 2001 happened. And and when that happened. And, uh, you know, we were broken and praying and, mm-hmm. and, and I looked at that letter and I said, you know, God, is this something that you're wanting us to do? And I, it, we prayed about it and felt very clearly that's where we needed to be. So I ended up joining the air force and Suzette 
uh, pretty much sacrificed having a civilian career from that point forward. I mean, it's hard as a military spouse to stick with the practice of law. So she knew she we moved to Florida, so she couldn't practice in Florida. It kind of ended that. Uh, but but she's there's no regrets. You know, we yeah. we are. She's very happy with the investment in our 20 year old, 18 year old, 14 year old, and eight year old. You know that she's she's homeschooled them all all through graduating college, two of them. And, uh, so she's she's happy with the investment. But that's yeah. that's how I joined the military, and um, oh. you know was there, there so for four years. So you became Tom Cruise. Uh, you know, confronting the guy saying, you can't handle the truth that you, you took that job. You, you were that guy. I, I got that opportunity. <laughs> I, I actually had that, that case, uh, that, that movie was replaying in my head as a young <laughs> Lieutenant doing a prosecution of a, of a very well-credentialed um, non-commissioned officer for his third DUI and, and our efforts to try to get him to ki be kicked out of the military. Uh, I remember one of his character witnesses was a full bird, army colonel oh. fully decorated had everything i mean there was my, i think i had maybe two medals on mine basic training and and uh you know the national service defense what i didn't even have enough to fill up a row of three and he just had a whole block of medals and and all that and he got up there and 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 my job was to cross-examine him on why uh, uh why his his uh uh non-commissioned officer uh shouldn't you know shouldn't remain in the military while he was fully prepared to explain to me he was he was quite the uh, quite the airman and he needed to stay in. So I did have that moment. Um, that was that was, uh, uh, you know, those are kind of character building moments. You know, when you, right. you get that. I never yelled at him. Uh, I never said you can't handle the truth. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, try, I tried to smile uh, as much as I could. And I noticed if I smiled, he would smile. And so that was that worked out well. Um, but uh, uh, no, I, I, I didn't uh, I didn't get to slam down the. Uh, you know, anything on the desk and say you can't handle the truth. But it, but there were moments that uh, were definitely challenging uh, throughout throughout my time. At. All right. So in your case now, you end up working with JAG and then you end up back out of that and eventually here. And I never asked this before, but where are you from? Kansas. OK, Kansas. so you're from Kansas. OK, I'm from Kansas. Yep. Yep. I lost my accent. Otherwise, you wouldn't be able to understand me. I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's a joke. Joke. Uh, no, no. Um, I'm from Kansas. I was I was born uh, in Western Kansas, a town just a little west of Dodge City. Uh, so everybody's heard, you know, get out of Dodge. So 45 miles even further west than Dodge was Garden City. Um, and, uh, you know, a lot of cattle, a lot of farms. Um, I my mom, as it happens with many people, my, my mom and dad were divorced when I was one. So we, you know, kind of separated paths and my dad's family stayed in Kansas and my mom in uh, our in our small clan of three, uh, moved up to Colorado. So I was there from third grade through essentially eleventh grade. Uh, so kind of mixed, and then I came back to Kansas to do um, undergraduate and law school. Yeah. Okay. So you go through Colorado and Kansas. How did you end up in in Tampa, Hillsborough County? Uh, how how do you end up here? How do you end up you know wearing the robe, holding the gown? Right. So so I you know the first base assignment that I had. Uh, was McDill Air Force Base, and pretty much once we got here. So the, the 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 fun part of you know God's twists and turns in our lives. So Suzette is from Tampa. My wife, okay. born and raised in Tampa. Her dad has been here since he was probably five years old. Um, so so second generation essentially. Uh, and she uh, had no desire to leave here, but when she came to law school, she got a full ride, uh, you know, full ride scholarship to my law school. That's where we met and. Once she was there and we were there and we studied at the Kansas Law School, we figured, well, 
you know, we're supposed to stay here in Kansas because we've been, we got our degrees here and opportunities start to open up. Uh, but then when we got the, uh, the call from the air force, um, you know, they, they said, they said, where would you like to go? And I, and I, and I said, well, I said, if you're going to ask me what base assignment I would like, um, I said, I can only give you one because my wife is pregnant and, and right. she needs to be with her parents. Right. And the only place her parents live are Tampa, Florida. Um, you know, you can put me wherever you want to put me. And so out of a list of 10 top choices, I put Tampa, 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 Tampa. <laughs> I, didn't put any, I, thought, I thought, am I violating some federal law here by not filling out the government <laughs> form completely? But, but I, I put a little footnote as we lawyers always do. And I said, I said, it's because my wife is pregnant. And I said, I'll, I would, I would go essentially wherever you want me to go. And, uh, and so the first couple assignments that they offered me, and I would have taken either one of them, uh, Fairbanks, Alaska or Del Rio, Texas. Yeah. Like, okay. So, you know, Texas or Alaska and, and uh, the day before my daughter was born, um, they called me up and they said, Hey, uh, you know, we've got, we've got an opening in Tampa if you'd like that. Mm-hmm. And I said, yes, thank you. And that was just God's peace and assurance. I mean, we, we knew we were walking in faith and obedience to do what we did. And it was a lot of emotional stress and pressure to go through the idea of, okay, I'm joining the military in the middle of a war. You know, we just had 9-11 just happen. Yeah. My wife is pregnant. You know, we're, we're, we're going into uncharted territory. I had no, you know, my dad and mom were not military. You know, I had my grandfather served in, you know, was essentially drafted in World War II or, you know, served in World War II, but it wasn't like no, no military career types at all uh, anywhere. I would, I would have been the first to really kind of just step out and do something like I was doing. Um, so it was, it was uncharted territory. And I think God knew he, he needed to, he needed to give us some peace of mind. And, uh, and so we were blessed to, uh, come here to Tampa. And once I got here, it was very obvious. We, we plugged into our church and plugged in with her family and I could just see my kids were flourishing. Everybody was doing really well. And this is where God wanted us to be. So we've been here since pretty much since 2002. Awesome. Well, yeah. let's ask the the best and the worst parts. So let's start with the best. What are the best parts of being a judge? I imagine it's an interesting life. I actually grew up in the house I grew up with, uh, kind of two doors down. It's kind of a, a weird little dirt road on the Hillsborough River, but was a judge down there. And um, all I remember, because I was a little boy, is that he had a dog and you could not go anywhere near the judge's house because the dog would chase you. <laughs> that, that's my experience with the judge. So uh, yes. what, what's the best part of being a judge? Um, well, you know, uh, the, probably, um, you know, anything we do, we're obedient to God and we, and we, we know that we're doing what God wants us to do, whatever the sacrifice that makes it the best place. And so I I knew that the Lord had had said, give up your, give up your practice, give up, uh, your nice little corner office in the Regions Bank building overlooking the river and the Bay and the university of Tampa. Uh, you know, no sour grapes, but, uh, you know, I had, a, had a very nice little construction practice that I gave up to do what I did. Uh, and, and, uh, my first day on the bench and I'm getting, I'm getting to the answer to your question. So I went from a, being a board certified construction attorney, handling construction cases, subcontractors and general contractors, insurance cases, uh, to a domestic violence division. Mm. My first day on the bench which was literally, I got there on a Monday. They said, oh, Judge Smith, we've really cleared out a lot of time for you so you can get settled in. They said, you got one day, one day where we cleaned off your cases. And then day two, I had a full day of domestic violence cases. No official training, Wow. none. Uh, training would not, I started in June and the training was not until January. 
<laughs> so I had I yeah, on the nice. job training. I had I had about seven months before I got my new judges college training wow. on what on how to be a judge. So I literally it was all the experience. You know, I had tried to go to the courthouse for a couple of weeks to do write down and take as many notes as I could and watch people do what they were doing and study the law and learn this area. Um, I had uh, essentially eight hours straight of domestic violence cases. And these cases, um, they, they, they go like that. Just, just, right. okay, you got one case. Okay. There's 30 people waiting out in the hallway. You know, they're all set for, you know, nine, you know, 10 and 11. And if you're not going through your cases quickly enough, then literally you're going to, you're going to be here till 10 o'clock at night. Um, I don't know that I took a lunch. I think I, I think I literally stayed on the bench. I might've, I might've took a five minute recess just to get some water and maybe, you know, wolf down a granola bar, get back on the bench, uh, and, and continued sweat was literally like pouring down my face as I'm, as I'm handling all these cases and making decisions that are affecting people's lives. And when I got done, I, I walked, I walked off the bench and uh, it was just an exhausting day. I remember leaving that door uh, of my of my courtroom and going out in the hallway toward my office. And I thought, this is exactly where I'm supposed to be. Wow. I felt so fulfilled in what I had accomplished that day yeah. in helping people, listening to people um, to 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 give a to give a comparison. I, construction, I did construction law because I felt like it was something where I could help people. Mm -hmm. And, and you did, you know, whether it was a Chinese drywall case or, or, you know, some sort of an insurance case, or you're always, you're constantly working the case. You got, you know, especially construction cases, you got to meet your clients. You got to say, okay, you're my subcontractor. You're my drywall contractor. You're my building wrap guy. You know, you're the, you're the framer, you know, uh, and you, you meet these people. And after working on their cases for about a year to a year and a half, you got to shake their hands, look them in the eye and get a big thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jared, for your help in getting this case done. I had that fulfillment mm. of being on that domestic violence bench. Literally every 15 minutes, I was handling an entire case on a 15 minute interval making, making differences that decisions that made differences in people's lives. And, and it, it was, it was very fulfilling and I've never, yeah. I've never lost that sense. I've been a judge now for over five years. I've handled, uh, I guess I'm up to, uh, on my fourth division right now, I've handled, you know, uh, domestic violence, County civil, County criminal currently on a family law uh, bench. And, um, uh, I've never lost it that, that, that sense of fulfillment that comes just from a job well done of knowing that with each case that you handle, you have the ability to administer justice that can really touch the hearts and lives of people. It's pretty amazing. Um, yeah, that, that, that's so good. And, you know, we live in a world right now where there's a lot of talk of people being happy and everybody wants to seek out happiness. And I, for one, I'm always a proponent of stop seeking out happiness and start seeking out purpose. And if you find mm. purpose, you'll probably find happiness. But if you chase happiness, you're going to chase the easiest road, the one with the least stress, the one with the least anxiety. And sometimes, like you're describing, you're in moments of tremendous anxiety, I'm sure, and tremendous stress and trying to uh, you know, make yeah. right decisions and praying to God that he'll give you the strength and wisdom to make those decisions. But what's actually is what you're referring to as fulfillment is that that process of purpose that you're finding yourself in. And um, yeah, so anybody here who's trying to find their career, don't chase mm -hmm. what's easy. Don't chase what makes you happy. Chase what makes yeah. you fulfilled, what gives you purpose in life. 
Absolutely. So, so maybe maybe this is the same answer. I don't know. But um, so if that's the best part, what's the what's the worst parts of being a judge? Oh, well, you know, um, uh, there there are, you know, there's definitely, you know, and I don't want to say sour grapes. You know, there's obviously as a judge um, there, there are um, there's the political side of it, which I don't think anybody judges are are we they call us politicians but we but there's no judge that really enjoys being a politician we have to be because we're we're elected officials um but but we want to be judges you know we want to uh decide cases and and uh you know listen to people and and move cases forward quickly because you know justice delayed is justice denied and there's there's all of that uh so so um uh, the, the political side of the job is, is, uh, I, I, you know, I hate to say it's the least favorite, but it's probably the most yeah. challenging, yeah. uh, part of being a judge is, uh, kind of navigating that when those issues come up. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, and then, uh, you know, but again, I don't want to just focus on the negative because there's, po- there's positives of anything you do anytime mm-hmm. you put through a trial. Uh, so, uh, you know, there's always going to be something good. Like for instance, in 2018, uh, when, when we had someone run against me as a judge and force me to go into the, you know, on the ballot. And that's another thing that a lot of people don't realize when they look on a ballot, they see, you know, people say, Oh, we vote to retain judges. And I say, we vote to retain appellate judges, mm-hmm. the trial court judges. It, it, that doesn't work like that. The trial court judges, when you read it on the ballot, it just says, you know, circuit judge group, whatever County judge group, whatever. Uh, and then it'll have a couple names or three names that's that's how the count that's how the trial judge ballots look like and they don't even identify who the sitting judge is so unless you've done your research you don't even know who's been there for a little while um that being said it's, it's a lot of work you know you got to get out there and you've got your you got your day job which is to be yeah. a judge and then you have your evening and weekend and summer vacation typically which is all the campaign 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 um but even on that you know, even though that that's exhausting and tiring and you could probably hear my sinuses right now it's like we're in the middle of a campaign right now and we're just you know, we got about two and a half weeks left. We're just worn out. You know, everybody's just, our bodies are drained and we're, we're asking God for strength for those last couple of weeks to push through. But I, I remember watching my son uh, the, in 2018 when he was only 10 years old. So he's 14 now. Uh, Cause that was four years ago when we went through that 2018 race and uh, he was 10 years old. And I remember this whole concept of we got to knock on doors. Okay. So I'm a judge, right? <laughs> I handle domestic violence cases, right? I, you know, I handle thousands of domestic violence cases. I could literally be knocking on the door of somebody yeah. that I just issued an injunction against and they're going to, they're going to knock on me. You know, yeah, no, I don't right, know. Right. Uh, you don't know, you know, uh, who, who's going to be out there. So this is this whole concept of, you know, Hey, here's this list of all these homes, go knock on some doors, judge Smith. And I, and I thought, well, I better bring somebody son. You want to come with me? Sure, Dad. Uh, and and so so I said, let's go to South Tampa. We're going to knock on some doors. And and we got out of the car. You know, we're we're you know good 30, 45 minutes from the house. And and uh, I, you know I got the list, bottle of water, whatever you know, whatever minimal preparations I had as a as a dad. And and uh, we get we're starting to walk to the first house. My son trips over the most massive crack in the sidewalk I think I've ever seen in my life before we even get to house number one, falls down, just bloodies his knee. I mean, it was the worst bloody knee I think I've ever seen him have. 
and it, it and he's just hobbling and I'm looking and I'm thinking of course I'm a dad I've got no band-aids I've got nothing I don't even think I got paper towels I got nothing and and I and I just you know let him kind of catch his breath a little bit I said son I said um I said we could go home I said we can I said we can turn around and go home I said I said I'm okay with that um, I said, if we do, unfortunately, I can tell by the clouds. I said, it's probably going to be raining by the time we get back. Um, and uh, uh, I said, we probably won't be able to knock on any of these doors. We had about 100 homes we could knock on the doors for. And uh, he looked at me and he said, Dad, I can make it. <laughs> and, and he just, some supernatural energy came in him. And, and, and we, we, we did the whole neighborhood. And, and and, you know, his whole, his whole character was shaped through that experience mm -hmm. to today. Every one of my children, I think would yeah. point back to that 2018 election and having to be out meeting people, shaking hands. It shaped us as a family, shaped yeah. our children in a, in a positive way. So even the negatives, it's hard for me. I don't want to complain. Yeah. I'll yeah. tell you, they're the heart, they're the hardships, but I would, I hate to call them the, uh, you know, the downsides because God always has good, even yeah. in the, even in the bad. Yeah. I can only picture the homeowner that's probably thinking there's an attorney's son who just tripped in my driveway and got hurt. <laughs> I'm sure there's and it says Judge somewhere. Smith on his shirt. It says Judge Smith, <laughs> we're in trouble. Um, yes, yeah, yes. I'm sure they were checking their policies. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's, yeah. So, that, right, so that's that's what I would say there. So, so you sort of just brought it up, but, um, you know, part of what we wanted to share just briefly is, hey, we got to be in prayer for our political leaders. Mm -hmm. uh, we know as a pastor that 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 uh, Paul wrote to Timothy, and he said this, and I quote in First uh, Timothy two one and two: "I urge you then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peacefully and with quiet lives and in godliness and holiness." Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, we are commanded to pray over our political leaders and. I think that's true of every leader, obviously, but when you deal with judges, there's an amount of wisdom that you must need on a daily uh, account that true. is much greater than maybe the rest of us can even understand. You are really judging between matters that while there's things on the books and things you can look at, I mean, it, ultimately it comes down to you. And, um, and we know James tells us that if you ask for wisdom, God will give you wisdom. Um, but as we kind of uh, begin to wrap up and I'll tell one joke as we do, but as we get ready to wrap up, um, how can we pray for you and other judges and other people that are dealing right now on the political scene? Um, how can we pray for you guys? Uh, well, I would definitely say, you know, it, pray for our protection. Of course, you know, it's um, uh, we, we make, I remember the first, the first, probably within the first month, maybe two months at most that I was on the bench uh, that I, I had this, uh, you know, domestic violence case. And, uh, one of the, one of the ladies who was asserting it, you know, she was the alleged victim. And I think I frankly did grant that one. Uh, she said, she said, well, he, she pointed over to, to her boyfriend or whoever the, the relative was. And she said, well, he's in the Guatemalan mafia. And, and, and I watched his, and I thought, you know, goodness gracious, somebody says I'm the Guatemalan mafia, I'm going to go. And I watched him just sit there really still. Yeah. And say nothing. Yeah. And I thought, he's probably in the Guatemalan mafia. He right. didn't even right. didn't even flinch. And uh, and she said, she said, he said he's gonna kill me. Um, total just stone face, you know, no reaction. Uh and, and I, it, it starts to hit you that you you are dealing with mm -hmm. some very dangerous elements in society when you when you are a judge. And uh and and yes, do pray for wisdom for us because absolutely. 
uh, with every decision that we make, uh, we need wisdom, but do pray for our protection as well. Um, you know, we, uh, you know, I'd like to think, think we still live in Mayberry, but we don't live in Mayberry anymore and, and not everyone respects authority. And we know that, uh, I try to always engender a, a respect for authority in my courtroom. That's one of the, that's one of the things that I really feel like, uh, you know, it's one of my, one of my jobs is just, just when people walk in that they feel like they're treated so fairly that they have such a, you know, they just want to respect the system and authority by the time it's all done, whether I rule in their favor or not. You can't, it doesn't happen. You can't just as, just true in life. You can't please everybody. So there's always going to be people, be people that are upset. Uh, and, uh, and so I would definitely say, uh, you know, as you think about, especially your judges, I, I I'm sure pol other politicians are under that kind of pressure too, but I bet if you walked up and down our hallways, yeah. if you got any judge that had over five years experience, so they're going to have a story about a time that they were threatened about a time they got emails from, from that person. And although our addresses are supposed to be confidential and all that, you know, it's look what happened to the United States Supreme court just a few months ago, yeah. you know, what so much with confidentiality. Uh, and, and, uh, so, so, so we, we would appreciate your prayers and, uh, and, uh, you know, in so many ways, I, I probably can even list all the ways, but yeah, definitely be praying, uh, wisdom, protection, um, and, uh, uh, that, that we would just really honor him with everything that we do. Mm -hmm. Amen. Well, let's take a moment, everybody listening, uh, everybody watching. It doesn't matter if you're live with us, obviously mm. you're not, this isn't being shown live, but take a moment and just pray. It doesn't matter when it could be a year from now and the judges are still going to need it. And so yes. let's just agree together. Father, thank you. Lord, we just lift up uh, Judge Jared Smith, but not only him, but all those who are in authority over us, all those who are judges and in those political realms. Uh, God, we pray for their wisdom, God, that you would show them not only through textbooks and learning and understanding, but also just through divine wisdom from you on how to how to judge cases, how to handle uh, uh, truth and lies and how to discern the difference between those sometimes. Give them divine wisdom. Also give them divine protection. Uh, God, to be in a, a role like that where you are making uh, people mad on a daily basis uh, for every person that is happy with you, somebody else is upset with you. And so, Lord, I pray that you would just give them divine protection from any evil that would want to come their way. Uh, we know as we're taught that, that it's not just a physical battle. It is a spiritual battle. And I know Judge Smith knows that. He teaches that. Uh, Lord, I pray that we would recognize the spiritual battle that's happening and, and what's coming against him sometimes is not just a physical thing. It's a spiritual thing happening inside of a person. So I pray for spiritual and physical protection over him and his family uh, and all of those in authority, all those judges. Uh, that's got to be a tough place. And so Lord, bless them with protection. Uh, and God, we just pray that um, God, that you would bless them with, with, with a uh, uh, fresh vision, fresh future, showing them the right way uh, as they walk through the weariness of this season, uh, as he's already said, but not only him, but all politicians in this moment and, and all these election years that come around and in between, uh, God, it's just exhausting. And I pray, especially for all those who are doing it from the right attitude, they're not being elected to uh, glory in themselves or to hold a position or to look good on paper, but like Judge Smith, they're being elected so they can serve. So, Lord, I just pray for a, a special um, gift of, uh, uh, of refreshment. <laughs> they're just tired. Mm -hmm. They're exhausted. Yeah. It's been a tough time. Just, just allow for every hour they have to, to sit and relax, allow it to feel like eight hours. Uh, just Amen. multiply that ability for them to be rejuvenated inside of their spirits and inside of their, their bodies. And so, Lord, just be with them. 
Uh, God, I pray that each one of us who listen to this, again, no matter when it is, Lord, that we would take it upon ourselves to leaders, <coughs> even if we don't always agree with them, um, even if we don't always like them, <laughs> Lord, that we would choose to pray for them and lift them up and uh, and believe God for, for um, a, a better leader inside of each person. So, Lord, we're grateful for it. So, Lord, you lead us and guide us, and we will follow. In Jesus' name, we pray these things. Amen. Amen. I hope you enjoyed this conversation today, and I especially hope it added value to you. If you enjoyed it, would you do me a favor and give us a five-star rating on your podcast provider? It really helps to get the word out. And of course, if you share this content with your friends, that would be great too. And until next time, I hope you continue creating a better future. I look forward to being with you again soon.